This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And the games are coming thick and fast. We're coming to you almost immediately after the Swansea game. We played them last night. And uh, we were going to do a podcast last night, but to be quite honest with you, we were so gutted, we decided to have a sleep on it and do a podcast first thing in the morning. So we're sitting here first thing in the morning, musing about the Swansea game, but also looking forward to Saturday's game against Wickham Wanderers. And I'm sitting here in the virtual joint, still seething, with my mate Laney Lane. How are you doing, Laney? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Bill. Uh, I think we were right not to do it last night, actually. I think it, you, you mentioned the word seething. I, I was frustrated. I thought it was uh, you know, a cracking performance by Brentford, but you know, we, we, were, we were stung at the end by a, by a sort of a needless goal, I thought. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, emotions were quite high last night, as uh, a lot of our listeners will um, no doubt understand and uh, kind of understand and appreciate they, they will and, and and like I said to you, you know we, we we sort of quite upbeat or we tried to be quite upbeat with our intros as well I mean we sort of kind of even got a little bit off tangent recently just talking about different things but we thought today tell you what forget about the offbeatedness forget about all the all, you know all the stuff that we talk about we, we think we're going to go straight into it today and we're going to talk about these two matches because they're coming thick and fast and it's we're getting to a serious part of the season and there's no point in frivolity at all and talking about no point in frivolity we're going to do some early shout outs we want to try and put some positive vibes out there as well we've got some bees who are you know Brentford family all in here together and I want to put some shout outs quickly first of all I want to give a shout out to Greville Waterman whose wife Miriam is in hospital at the moment and we really hope that everything goes well with Miriam in hospital. Greville, big shout out to you and wishing you well, Greville, on that as well. We've also got Darren. Darren, another one of our podcast regulars. Greville's a podcast regular. Darren's a podcast regular as well. And he's also been in hospital not too well. Big shout out to you, Darren, as well. And Club Shop Anne, as you all know. All the original old school club shoppers used to get out the club shop, club shop Anne as well, who is also um, in hospital as well. So we wish them all well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Gravel, I've been speaking to almost daily um, about Miriam's uh, sort of, you know, progress and you know what's happening with her so yeah all my love and uh, all my sort of most positive energy going out to uh, the Waterman family it's uh, you know so it's a real tough one and uh, I'm sure there's other Brentford fans that are listening to this who you know have been affected and no no friends and family that are, are struggling at the moment so yeah just uh, you know be there for one another definitely be there for one another and talking about support we want to thank you very much people out there for your support it's been coming in weekly as well as we say besotted dot com forward slash beer it's the Kofi and you, you don't have to do anything you don't have to donate anything you don't have to do anything at all we're carrying on doing our thing but what it does it helps us to just carry on doing as we're doing and uh, 
Um, as we say, you know, people say, you know, what, what are you going to do? You know, we've got the website to run, we've got tech support, we've got domains, we've got podcast prescription, we've got all sorts of stuff like, you know, which keeps the ball rolling. So it all really helps as well. And also what we decided to do, because uh, probably if you've heard, you know, things are sounding a little bit more sexy on the audio front as well. Um, it's helped us to go out and buy some microphones. So for us and the crew as well, we've been able to go out and get some more mics. So hopefully we're not going to get the old washing machine sound as you get sometimes with some characters characters when they come on the air i know the junkyard fool wasn't happy with the with the sound of the washing machine when you get certain people going on like that so hopefully the audio is going to sound a lot better so thank you very much for your help and all of that as well i'm going to give the shout out kieran searle uh, he said love the podcast guys keep up the good work thank you for that as well and also jason big jace jason wills a vaccine in audio form very good jace you must have spent a bit of time actually kind of forming that one listening to the pod just makes me feel better it's that connection that link we all need due to the eminent pressures we are all under at the moment keep up the fantastic work going and i can't wait to get to the pub with everyone else and have a chin have a chin he's not got a chin gin gin maybe <laughs> Jason's going to go down to the pub to get a chin you don't need to get to the pub to get a chin mate you know what I'm saying old me thank you very much mate. an essential part of my game prep for a long time love the podcast and the chat around all things Brentford keeping coming guys and girls UBs old me thank you very much the old me Simon Radford as well distilled Brentford Ness in audio form keep up the great work guys and girls and Kevin Sawyer as well all in there thank you very much for your support and everybody else just thank you for listening and just uh, give us a big plus give us a, a review give us itunes give us whatever you want to it's great to have you in there but anyway enough of that we're gonna have to talk about something that's made me and laney seethe and it starts with an s as well let's talk about swansea. so last night brentford played swansea what, what i want to do is i want to come into this conversation very level-headed okay because I think it's very easy to go on a proper rant and all football fans go on proper rants and maybe some people out there want to hear a proper rant on the other side of the microphone as well because they've been ranting all evening and all night and this morning but what I want to do is I just want to put a little bit of a leveler out there first of all we are okay we're still fourth in the table if I, if I remember rightly you know, we are 17 matches unbeaten. Is that correct? Or is it now 18 matches unbeaten? I can't remember. 17. 17 matches unbeaten. Um, the reality is that's nearly half a season. We are also five points better off than after game 24 last season and also in our first championship season. Uh, we were third after 24 played last season and that was ironically after a 3-1 Swansea win. But then also we were eight points behind second place and 11 points behind first place this time we're fourth on 45 points we've got one or maybe two games in hand depending on what team you're talking about we're actually two points off second you know as, as opposed to eight points off second and, and that's Swansea that we're, that we're two points off of we've got a game in hand over them and we're eight points off the top which is Norwich and last season we were 11 points off the top and we've also got a game in hand over them. So if you think about that, you win your game in hand, it's, it's a big if. if. You win your game in hand, that's five points. And if you actually beat them, that's uh, two points. So <laughs> listen, the reality is that we're in a good position at the moment now. We're playing good football. We are unbeaten, which means that somebody's got to go and beat us. I mean, it'll probably happen at some stage, but we are still unbeaten. So we're actually moving forward. So before we start talking about Swansea, that is the level up for you. Did, did you did you like them facts, lady? Yeah, obviously I like those facts. It's just you know it's, it's better than listing you know loads and loads of deficiencies and you know potentially we could be half decent and you know we're we're pushing for a mid-table position. We're you know we're we're the real deal um, and nothing I saw last night sort of diminishes that. Uh, you know, yeah, it's a frustrating result um, because we deserve so much more um, going going into that game. Um, I was I was nervous, you know. I, I thought, you know, you saw Swansea's form. You saw them; they won five one at the weekend in the FA Cup. Uh, you know, we, we we weren't kind of at our most potent um, up front, and that that's something that was you know more evident again last night. We we bossed the game from start to finish. You know, we we went to one of the toughest away fixtures of the season um, and we, we, we come away unscathed again. You know, it was a similar feeling to the Watford away match where, you know, you you kind of 
expect so much more from the opposition based on their previous results having not really seen them um, and when you see what we're capable of it just gives you a so so big a shot in the arm it's, it's, it's reassuring to know that we are the as I said the real deal this 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 season in this division and with so much more to come uh, the you know the 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 Chances we created on other days, we would have scored probably three or four goals. Um, unfortunately, last night they just fell to the wrong players in the wrong positions, and we were wasteful at times. But the approach play, the way we bossed, the way we uh, contained their threats, apart from one stupid situation towards the end where we, you know, we gave the referee no real big decision you know he, he was I think you know you can argue whether Mads Beck uh, it was a foul or not I, I believe it was um, I've watched it a few times and I think yeah you, you, you've just given the referee just such an easy decision he's, he, he's so going to give that and you, you give them a you know a set piece where they can load the area where they, they weren't loading the area with their their counter attacks um, pretty much all, all evening uh, Raya had a, a very quiet night I, I'd say and um, Bidwell, by looking at the stills, elbowed Raya in the throat, um, took him out of the game, and uh, you know the, the 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 free kick floated straight into the back of the net. So really gutting, especially when it was so soon after taking the lead. Um, so yeah, it, it leaves us frustrated because the the cynicism and the, the the foul play by Swansea last night was just well, it was impressive if you if you like a rugby game. But you know, I said on WhatsApp afterwards, you know, we can take a lot of lot of pleasure in the fact that we 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 made one of the best teams in this division literally shit themselves on their home on their home patch. They saw Brentford come into town and they literally turned their playing style around because they knew how dangerous we were now you can say that we still should have been good enough to cope with that but I think you're expecting probably a little bit too much from a very young team you know we're not at the standard of Leicester um, who you know we saw you know they've got that clinical edge even though they've been under the cosh I thought I thought Swansea were very very disappointing if I was a Swansea fan I'd be really worried Brentford don't change the way we play for for anyone really I can't remember it Um, we might have gone two up front once or twice um, just probably because of injuries as much as the opposition but I thought Swansea last night as I said they crapped their pants because Brentford were coming to town so I'll I'll take that I mean like I said to you and we're trying to take positives out of this game and we're sitting down here we're going to put the end up first of all I've got a um I got the score. I got the I got the result right. Actually, I know you got the result right for the game at the weekend, the Leicester game, and I got the result right for this game. But I'm sitting here and I'm not proud that I got the result right because before the match I said I'll be really happy if we got a draw because looking at the you know well looking at the, the table and the fact that we didn't want to lose ground on them and we didn't want to lose a game. I thought oh, if we can get a draw, it'd be great. I have to admit after this is the only game, the first game and the only game this season which I was absolutely gutted afterwards because of the result when we lost to Tottenham honestly it was not a big deal to me I thought all right we lost to Tottenham no big deal you know we lost to Leicester no big deal but this game I was truly gutted that we didn't look that we lost that match and the reason why it's the it's the manner of the loss the first of all as we say we were battering them nil all and then we were battering them one nil and then they got that goal, which was a okay. They got the free kick, and you know you can argue that we didn't defend it right because we should have, you know, we should have headed the ball out, should have come into the area, you know. And yes, there was a foul on the goalkeeper, but the manner of it, the fact is, I mean, as you know, we normally have all sorts of elements to our podcast. You know, we've got more, you know, more guests on, so there's more of us speakers on. We normally got you know different people on. We've got the spreadsheet winker. We've got you know JB who'll be on a little bit later. You know, we've got all sorts of elements. But like I said to you, normally we have the spreadsheet winker on. Will the spreadsheet winker? But we didn't even get the, the winker out of bed today because it was absolutely pointless. Because he was going to what stats is he going to give us? I mean, not even they had two chances. Right? One of them, seventeen percent chance of scoring, which was the the goal, right? The one that was sort of lofted into the area and it ended up in the back of the net. And another chance, which I think was eight percent, which was uh, it wasn't Hurahan. I can't remember what it was. It might might have been low again. Again, they had two. Ch- they had no- They had nothing else in the whole of the match. So Winker can have a little lie in today, 
because there is nothing to talk about. Yes, we had 21 shots, but it's about the quality of the shots. I mean, I'm looking at the shot table here as well. 2.65 was our XG compared to the 0.25. A lot of people say, oh, it doesn't really matter because we didn't score the goals. We need to. Of course it doesn't. But you've got to look at the fact that there's, I can see massive, one, two, three, four, five, six, at least six massive red dots in the 18-yard box and a whole load of smaller red dots, which is basically the bigger the dot is the better the chance. We could have scored at least three easily, if not four, if not five, right, from that. And also, because we've got skillful players, the ones that we could have scored six or seven, maybe, if we were lucky on our day. But we didn't. And that is probably the most gutting thing about that match. And also Steve Cooper, who is basically, well, he didn't lose, but he's just kind of the most ungracious manager ever, who doesn't give anybody any credit at all. I mean, <laughs> crediting their goal with something that they did in the training ground. I mean, what? so what? So the training ground, they taught what? Um, low, they said low, go down the wing and then just go down when their players touches you. And then what we'll do is that we'll just kick the ball into the area and then there'll be pandemonium and then we'll score. I mean, I'm not being funny, mate, but I could do that. I mean, I've been coaching for, what, six months? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't have to be a coaching expert to kind of like work out that that's kind of what you need to do if you can't even get the ball into the area. So Steve Cooper, you know, you might have your, your A for A and your A for B and all sorts of stuff, mate, but don't try and come out that you're some sort of kind of pep, um, you know, but it's not really happening. So I'm, as you can tell, I've done my sensible bit at the beginning of the podcast i'm starting to vent a little bit now a little bit of frustration of swansea and i think maybe i should just take it back a little bit lately it sounds like it's a little bit too soon still for bill it's a bit of, it's still, a, still a few jangly raw nerves there i know I, I, i'm the same you know steve cooper he's 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 very as you said ungracious uh i just don't it doesn't take much to kind of just come out and say you know Brentford played really well. We we struggled at times tonight, but we're delighted with the point. You know, yeah, that's what everyone watching saw. You know, for for him to kind of polish a turd um, and try and take credit, you know, for for not losing the game. I, I think it's. A, I think it was just desperate from start to finish from Swansea. I thought they were desperate, um, and they they got a point. So yeah, I'm I'm sure they are delighted under the circumstances, but they had to hack and and you know bite and pinch and. <laughs> and all the dark arts came out and fouling on rotation. You know, I, ju- I just expected a lot more from them. I've, I've seen them a few times, um, on, and they and they look like a, a proper balling team. They get the ball down and play. They didn't. We didn't see any of that last night. But saying that, lady, I mean, we actually shouldn't be surprised because if you look on, you know, the GPG, if you look on Brentford's Twitter, you know, we actually just t- tweeted out a, a video that you know GPG did last year after we played Swansea in the playoff semi final. And they were exactly the same. They were diving. They were cheating. They were fouling us from behind. You know, they were doing all sorts of similar things as what they were doing today. So it's not actually, it shouldn't actually really be a surprise. And, you know, if if there's any criticism, and this isn't a criticism to Brentford, but I'm just saying, if anything, we should probably have been ready for it. And we should work out how we can deal with it. And also, maybe we should have had somebody who was in the referee's ear a little bit more. Because the referee was a little bit weak, it has to be said. But, you know, and I remember actually saying this because um, a lot of people, you know, asked us at the beginning of the season. They talk about, um, they ask you for your predictions for the following season. And I was asked um, by a number of publications, you know, who are your predictions for the season? Who's going to win? Who's going to get the playoffs? Who's going to get relegated? And I remember saying, you know, and to be honest with you, I think Swansea, you know, they're a good side. But um, if they can cut out the cheating, you know, they'll be an even better side. And I said that at the beginning of the season. So they're known for um, playing good football. But at the same house, some people sort of say, oh, it's shithousing. But it's not. It's just kind of like just being a bit rubbish. And if they take concentrate their energy more into the football and less into the cheating, they'd actually, I believe, be a much better side yeah there was you know we spoke um you know as you said like two weeks ago about the mental health issues and how how much uh, these games mean to to, to we're talking in brentford but this is a brentford podcast but you know you, you extrapolate this out to it means everything to every football fan when their when their team plays and it, it was one of the highlights of the week you know <laughs> in desperate times these these fixtures become the pivotal kind of start in the week you look forward to your team playing you know settled down had something to eat before got a couple of nice beers in 
uh, you, you kind of just put all your positive thoughts into watching a screen in front of you and you know I watched it with my son last night and we were getting really really aggy in in terms of kind of the misses and the kind of like the the, the, the passings going astray and it was the le- the stress levels are really increased so you know I, I think it was little wonder really that when the when the final whistle went we all felt like we'd we'd put a shift in on the pitch as well because you know the the heart rates and the distress levels and the endorphins and the, like racing through our veins and you know I, I wouldn't like to have been recorded watching that game last night or, or have some of the comments played back to me probably but you know that's why I think we need to sort of like sleep on it and, and come back but there are things that I'm still really angry about you know I, I, I do think Swansea are the cause of most of those but some of them I, I think you know we are as guilty of I think our players I think Ivan Tony I, I probably won't hear too much criticism about him overall but I think in the area although he's got a lot of markers around him now and there's a lot going on he seems to get involved in too many scraps he's, he's scrapping way before that there's any chance of you know the ball even being played he's sort of playing up to that he can't he can't be fighting the defenders for the whole 90 minutes because the referee's going to give and he had he did give quite a few against him when he was being fouled he it was his pushback that was was punished and again that's you know you, you work so hard to get into a position where you can bring your, your defenders up and and be in a position to hopefully you know get a, get a decent cross in and the referee's given a foul for the defending team where there was absolutely no need to you know I'm not saying he needs to take that aggressive edge off of his game but I think you know he, he's he's looking he's squaring up and pulling and pushing like all the time like all the time and the referee as I said he often gives it away I thought Jensen was frustrating um, up until a point he was he was again you know I spoke about him earlier in the week about just giving the ball away he did that but then second half he flipped it um, he turned into the classy Jensen that that what we know so it's a Jekyll and Hyde performance from him but he ended the game on a high so obviously that's what I remember and you know going into the Wickham game next week um, or the weekend he'll have to hopefully continue that so yeah and the cl- the clinical finishing we, we have seen it in other games we are capable of it it was just one of those nights where despite having sort of seven or eight real guilt edge chances uh, you know only one of them went in and then what soon after that we gave a chance away that it's punished so you know it, it was frustrating but I said some some of it is self-induced um, and you know we just need to we just need to work a way around the tension that some of our players are getting you know we saw last year that there was always two or three players on Ben Rama which opened up space for other people and then if, if opponents are going to do that to Ivan Tony, then we have to work out a way of releasing someone else who can make the most of the space. So, you know, it's 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 kind of it's it's been stop start the last couple of weeks. So, you know, considering, you know, we haven't been, you know, at league um, performances for you know week in week out we've had cup games thrown in and, and suspensions and what have you I, I thought last night was just a cracking performance it, it wasn't and let me just and I'm coming back to trying to you know listen we're here to give people information as well as as well as give our opinion and I'm going to throw out a little bit more information so people could chew in it so some more stats from that game I mean total shots Ivan Tony had the most shots he had four shots that game and then behind him was Matthias Jensen with three shots Josh De Silva with three shots Connor Hurahan with two shots. Um, one was the goal, but well, it must be both the Swansea shots was him. And Rico Henry with two shots. Um, interestingly as well, dribbling-wise, Josh De Silva had the most dribbles, three dribbles. Matthias Jensen had two. Then you had Jay Fulton and Matt Grimes with one and Rico Henry with one as well. And also, like I said to you, uh, tackles, and this is interesting as well, all the top tackles, all the top tacklers were all from uh, Swansea Jay Fulton with five Matt Grill with three Matt Grimes with two Jamal Lowe with two and uh, he kept fouling 
know, and, and, and Cabango with one as well. So it kind of gives you an idea of where the game was going. And interestingly, you know, in whoscored.com as well, the match ratings um, they gave, they actually gave Cabango uh, and Fulton, who I thought was a cheat, and Rico Henry and Matthias Jensen all the same top score at 73 as well then Fosu actually was 7.2 after that so that's quite interestingly you know so I mean looking at players Ivan Tony they gave a 7 uh, Canos was a 6.4 Bumo was a 6.3 um, Raya they gave 5.8 which is interesting because he didn't have anything to do so they must have given him a 5.8 just because of what they saw was the mistake in that goal as well Sorensen 6.2 Pinnock was a 7 you know Force was a was a 6 you know, so it's kind of giving you an idea. Jensen was a 7.3, whereas their players, interestingly, uh, Connor Hurahan 7.9, Grimes 7.1, Kambango, like I said to you, 7.3. So, uh, you know, Bidwell 6.2. As the game goes, you know, uh, we got 6.62, they got 6.6. So they actually thought it was even between the two sides. So that was interestingly how the stats people saw two sides as quite evenly poised. No one kind of like going over the parapet like, you know, you used to have with a Ben Rama when he had a brilliant game. You know, the top, the star player was just slightly better than the others, but they're too evenly poised. But we saw it as an absolute bashing, didn't we, Laney? Yeah, well, I, I think those stats show that the players performed equally, but one, one team was in complete offence mode and the other one was a complete defence mode so you know although the pl- players performed well as defenders that's what they're being you know that's what they were being judged at on, on the metrics that you've just read out um, we we look you know the other stats are the possession stats the chances stats the, the the shots and the shots on target which we completely and utterly blitz them with so you know the the players may have performed to an equal you know number but in certain, in completely different modes. That, that's 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 what I would say. Yeah, I mean, but they have got the midfield with Conor Hurahan and, and 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 Jay Fulton as well, actually, and they've given them decent results. Saying that, you know, in the midfield they were at least um, equal in the midfield battle. And I would say, actually, the first half, we absolutely annihilated. And the second half, to be fair, they actually came back into the game a little bit more, even though we did start to get back into the game. But, um, I mean, just like I said to you, positivity, just looking at the positives and negatives of that game. For Brentford, we created a high number of chances relative to our possession. Um, we also created goal-scoring opportunities from through balls. We are effective in creating goal-scoring opportunities from the flanks. Um, and those were the, the strengths of Brentford. There were actually no strengths of Swansea. And the weaknesses of Brentford is that we were poor at finishing. We know that as well for Swansea. They were aggressive and they were caught offside often. You know, So we went down the middle. We dominated possession. Uh, we loved crossing the ball. And we loved the through balls. Whereas Swansea, they played down the wings. They liked their lung shots because they couldn't get in you know, close to the goal. And they attacked actually down their right side, which is a Rico Henry side, which I thought was quite interesting. I didn't think our crossing was particularly good last night. Um, I thought Rico, although you know, obviously he's he's absolute class. He gets into some great positions. Uh, I, th- I thought he he was kind of frustrating at times. Hit the first man. Um, there was that you know very very over hit uh, cross that actually led to the goal in the end. But it was you know that was more luck than judgment from him. Um, the ball actually came in from the other side. Uh, I thought Canos. He, he had one or two really good touches but I thought it was a overall fairly quiet game for him I know he was the, the guy that was fouled for the sending off um, the sending off I didn't think really had much of a, an impact in the in the, the overall game as it in, you know in the end um, so uh, you know we probably won't talk about it much this podcast but I think you know with the transfer window open I, I still think there's a there's a gaping hole for a, a left-sided dangerous winger to be brought in um, there's nothing I'm not, I'm not knocking Canos you know, I think he's you know he's filling in quite well over there um, he's, you know, he's stronger positions on the right hand side but um, I, th- I think it will be the, the, the biggest error of the transfer window is if we don't bring someone devastatingly fast in on that side I think that's something that we're that we're we're over reliant on, on Rico you know Rico does brilliantly to get up there but crossing I still don't think is his strongest strongest department I have to say uh, the left sided uh, very fast player call it a winger call it a hacking midfield or whatever you want to we've been talking about this for uh, 
over six all, all season. season at least six months <laughs> if not more it is something well actually it was from last year actually we we're talking about it just after we came out of lockdown so it's something which is definitely in the bag it's something that i really do believe that the club is looking at and we shall see you know whether or not it will happen i mean there was talk of bright or say samuel at the time and obviously he decided to go off to turkey um the way that he plays i mean he would have been perfect in a certain way for us i mean he's a great dribbler of the ball he's not a great passer of the ball you know whether or not we could have trained him into passing the ball uh, or whether or not we're looking at somebody else who is similar to what to, to, to what he does you know he does similar to what he does but also maybe has a little bit more passing ability as well you know you never know but I'll, I'll be very very surprised if we're not going to be linked with somebody in the next couple of days and we don't manage to reel them in but listen I mean just talking about I just want to give one more stat as well which is actually quite a sad stat it's about the conversion stat um, Swansea they converted 50% of their chances which is, you know, it's not a bad conversion rate. And I suppose you can see if, if, if somebody goes around converting half of their chances all the whole time, you could kind of see why they're actually putting the ball in the back of the net. Whereas we converted 4% of our chances. I know it's a pretty basic stat that because you're not looking at the quality of the chances. You're just looking at how many chances there were. But still, that kind of gives you an idea as to really why we're probably feeling a little bit peeved at the moment now. So, but look, listen, Laney. Again, on the other side of it, and I'm coming back to it as in the glass half full. Like I said to you, we are a lot ahead of the game as to where we were last season. We were, I remember this season, and we're talking about this. We, we talked about Swansea being the Nottingham Forest before we came to this game. That's what we sort of, you know, we we we, we did a little parallel with them and Nottingham Forest. We came into January, and the Nottingham Forest game was the game that we were looking at. We needed to win. We wanted to win. It was a big game. We went into that Forest game. And we actually lost it 1-0 and we were gutted because it seemed to knock the wind out of us and it seemed to, to, to knock us, not sideways, backwards slightly. And after that, we we, 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 we did all right in February um, and then the pandemic game and then it stopped. But that Forest game was a massively key one for us and we saw a parallel between Swansea and, and Forest. However, with the Swansea game, at least we didn't lose, even though we should have beaten them. At least we didn't lose. But also the other thing is that we were scared after we played Forest, we thought we don't want to play them in the playoffs because they just they just do us every time. Whereas we looked at Swansea and I thought, tell you something, bring them on any time, Swansea, because we've got no fear with them. I felt we're I feel we're in a much better position now going into this second half than we were last season. Yeah, you spot on there. Fearless is the word I was going to use. And you know, if you look back at the last two fixtures, you know, if, if you're being fair, which you know is, is sometimes. You know, fair is a bit weak, but I think you just got to be a bit realistic. We probably got three points out of the Luton game where we probably deserved to get one, um, and we got one point out of the Swansea game where we deserved to get three. So I think those two even each other out. What I want to see now is to go to the Wickham match and get three points from a game we completely deserve to win. I, I think we we could all do with that kind of performance at the weekend. A, a Brentford potent full of confidence because we've got nothing to fear uh, go at them from the start ignore that they're going to set themselves up to frustrate get an early chance get an early goal and then you know smell blood and, and, and take take three points properly and literally that will put everyone in such a great mood this weekend it would do indeed and, and just sort of finish up this little section because again we like to throw the positives in there and also just throw the facts in listen if you don't like the facts, if you don't need them, you don't have to don't have to, to swallow them. But we like to throw them in so that at least you have a little bit more information. So on the slope chart, on the on the XG charts out there as well, Brentford are still top. They're number one, Watford are number two, Borough number three, Bournemouth number four, Norwich number five, Blackburn number six, Reading number seven, Swansea number eight. Cardiff ninth and Forest a tenth. So Forest are massively underperforming at the moment now. Swansea are massively overperforming, it says as well. Um, and Norwich are actually interestingly overperforming. Whereas Brentford are probably underperforming at the moment now because their expected goals is worst, but they're actually fourth, which we could be third, we could be second. But we're, we're doing all right. So for, for, that's for a start, which is, like I said to you, a little bit of positivity. Not because we are top of the XG table or these teams. Are, it's just kind of like... We're still doing the right things. So if, if for the second half of the season, we're still doing the right things. 
I would like to think that we're still going to be there or thereabouts. If we were, you know, as Birmingham City or a sort of kind of 22nd or 23rd, you know, 20th in the table, if we were like down there, I'd be worried. You know, or Bristol City, who are 18th, but their real league position at the moment is like, what's it, 10th or 9th? But they're actually 18th, which means that they're kind of like getting the luck and they're, you know, probably scoring of every opportunity. If we were down there, that's when I would have the fear. But because we are where we are, I'm much more comfortable about our situation at the moment now. And, you know, if you're looking at 538, like I said to you, we, you know, we just have a little look at them every, every, every now and again and looking where they are now. You know, Norwich at the top still with... Um, with sort of their 73% chance of promotion. Brentford in their second place at the end of the season with 67% chance of promotion. Then they've got Watford in their third place at the end of the season with 44% chance. Bournemouth fourth, 36% chance. Swansea fifth, 30% chance. And Reading sixth at 15% chance. And they've got Blackburn at seventh at 9%. So it's interestingly how those positions are panning out. I think for me personally, and I'm trying to, again, this is not rose-tinted. This is what I really believe. I still do believe that they are three sides possibly four there's us there's there's us there's Norwich there's Watford the, 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 us and Norwich and Bournemouth and possibly Watford depending on how they pick up with their new manager um, who I think are going to be competing for the top two positions I personally don't think Swansea will be and that's not being disrespectful to them but that's seeing them and also seeing what their form is like and seeing what the, the, the stats are like all the indications at the moment now are saying that Swansea are looking more of a playoff side than an automatic promotion side. But we need to continue not losing. I know that you've got a theory, Laney, about, listen, sometimes we can lose in a, in, a, in, a, in a winning run or a not losing run. We can lose every now and again and then go back to winning. But I just believe that actually we need to not lose because I think not losing becomes a habit. And there's a mentality that you have. And as long as we are not losing, picking up one point here and three points there, we will be in the top two. Trust me. Yeah, no, I agree. I just, I've said that a lot about um, you know unbeaten runs and the worth of keeping the unbeaten run, just going for the hell of it. Uh, normally, you know, if it's like three, four, or five, then I'd, you know sometimes it's better to, to to lose one, reset, and win the next four. I think this unbeaten run is actually is actually brilliant. I, I think this one's worth maintaining at all costs at the moment. I think. You know, it's it's given us a swagger, um, and just to use that word again, fearless. We we don't fear anyone. We've we've gone to Watford, who you know normally you'd kind of like be going, oh no, you know they're, they're going to be too strong. Bournemouth come to us normally be going, oh they're they're going to be too strong. Swansea away, you know, ah oh, that's going to be a toughie. They're on great form. We're probably going to lose this one. And I thought I thought we would lose it before the game. I said to said to my son, oh, no, no, I, think, I think we're going to lose this. Oh, but, I can't, I can't put money on it absolutely no way so I didn't um, uh, so yeah I, I think this unbeaten run uh, can continue I don't, as, long as, as long as we can get over the banana skin at the weekend Wick, Wickham are no mugs uh, but we should have the beating of them they concede lots of goals we just got to make sure that continues so listen slight doom and gloom after getting a draw at second in the league Swansea I mean this is so weird and all over the place but however I thought let's let's try and lighten it up a little bit. Let's try and get a little bit musical. What we're going to do is we're going to go over to JB with his funk and facts because JB always lightens the load. Sock it to him, JB. Lighten my load. Jonathan Burton here again. Just a final look back on our last cup weekend. After progressing eight rounds in the major cups this season, two in the FA Cup and six in the League Cup, it equaled our best ever, which occurred in 1988-89 with Steve Perriman when we played six FA Cup and two League Cup rounds. Actually, learning four previous seasons in our history have we played more than eight matches in these two competitions during a season. And that includes seasons where there were replays and two-legged matches. The defeat did bring an end to one record. It was the 14th time Tarek Fossu has started a match since he joined us a year ago, with all previous 13 having been wins. And also, before Leicester, in only two games this season we conceded three or more goals. And that run, in fact, extends to 87 games, right back to April 2019. Now back to the league, and the trip to Swansea was our fifth league game running, without Ivan Tony's name on the score sheet. Whereas earlier in the season we were quite dependent on him, the 10 goals scored in the last five recent games have been shared around six other players. It took us until game 15 to get six other scorers on the score sheet at the start of the season. 
So that was JB with his funk and fats. He's, he's gone F, F, FA Cup-tastic on this, hasn't he, old JB? I mean, we're out the cup, but he's still, he's still throwing the cup fats in there, isn't he? Yeah, he's still bang up for the cup, and he, JB. He's, uh, he's still f- funky for the FA. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite pleased they're behind us now. It's, uh, it's, it's just one focus. No, no distractions now, mate. It's interesting because he talked about uh, Tarek Fosu Henry, what we call him, Tarek Fosu, his, uh, his record for the Bees, because like I said to you, every game we'd started for the Bees, we'd won. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's pretty hard to push that one, you know, playing against Leicester, you know, and it broke his record, like the first game that he'd uh, started and we'd lost. But actually, um, there's a different Fosu record when he scores in the EFL. Fosu has played 25 games in the EFL. Um, and when he scored, there's been 16 wins, nine draws and zero defeats. And that includes after the Swansea game. So basically... If uh, he's actually never lost when uh, uh, when he scored in any game across five teams, including Oxford and Brentford and everybody else that he's played for in his career. So he's never lost any games in the games that he scored Fosu. So what we need to do is that we need to make sure that if it's 89 minutes and we are losing 1-0, we have to bring him on at least. You know what I'm saying? Because we know that the chances are that if he comes on, he scores. We are not, well, obviously we're not going to lose if we're losing 1-0. But you, I think you get me drift, don't you, Laney? Yeah, I get you drift. Good up, good old Tarek. He's uh, hopefully that can continue. Well done, mate. Give him a give him a little gold star. That's right, a gold star. Now, fingers crossed, the gold stars will be handed out left, right, and centre against Wickham on Saturday because Wickham are coming down to New Griffin Park. They've already played at New Griffin Park, so they know the manner. However, we need to ensure that Wickham Wanderers don't do the job. That they do on us that they did against teams like Preston and other teams out there because we need three points to get back on track. Let's come back after this little break and let's have a little chat about Wickham. Wickham Wanderers off the back of a cup run, very much like the Bees. They were ahead against Tottenham at the weekend, just like we were ahead against Leicester in the first half. And then, bang. The last, what's it? It must have been, what's it? The last four minutes, even. It was the last, it was something ridiculous where Tottenham scored a whole load of goals in at least the last 10 minutes of the game and they, they collapsed and it was all over. So, uh, but they gave him a good shout. But to be fair, Tottenham had a, as you call it, sort of slightly sort of second stringy, first stroke, second string side. And then all of a sudden they thought that they were, oh no, we're not winning this one. And uh, they looked at the bench and they uh, pulled out all sorts of characters. The Son, I think the Son, well, the Harry Kane came off the bench and there's all sorts of characters and it just took it up to another level. And, uh, and yeah, so Wickham, they, they took a bit of a cup pounding at the weekend. And uh, I think that might psychologically be quite good for us. Do you, Laney? Yeah, it could be. It's, it's, it shows you, you know, that they're fragile still. Um, if you attack them with quality, then they, they leak goals. Um, it's, it's just being clinical. Spurs were really clinical in that last sort of five, ten minutes or, or whatever. And, um, you know, I think, I think it skewed the, the game. I think Wickham deserved a little bit more out of that than probably the scoreline suggests. But it does, as I said, shows they are fragile at the back if you can attack them with pace and you can put quality chances and, um, and, and pepper their goal. Uh, we've played them twice, as you, as you said, this season already. We've played them in the League Cup. Um, at New Griffin Park and they held us to a draw we won on penalties um, and they, they held us to a nil-nil draw at Adams Park um, which was again a really frustrating afternoon another one of those kind of God come on you know just, just create something create one chance so they are able to frustrate us they've done it twice um, and we've edged it on penalties once so you know we need to go and show them who's the established championship team here and they're, they, they're, they're plucky at times um, they're, they're, I hope they survive because I, I quite like the, the story of the underdog we all do you know they're, they're punching above their weight as we were probably when we were in that first season it takes a lot um, they've done well to kind of come out of that losing every match and getting hammered which they were doing in their, that opening sequence of results and, and matches they played so yeah they can play a bit but there's no reason after seeing Brentford last night and the way we completely controlled that game if we do the same 
we all get our just desserts i'm absolutely sure of that so talking about desserts actually this has got nothing to do with desserts actually but we thought we we're going to go to wickham to find out exactly what they've been about this season and in the cup and just in general so we thought we'd go to phil catchpole from ringing the blues podcast he's going to give us his thoughts on wickham Hi, I'm Phil Catchpole and I present and produce the Wickham Wanderers podcast called Ringing the Blues. Uh, I also work for BBC Three Counties and cover Wickham Wanderers as a matchday commentator and reporter for the radio station and also the club's I follow um, thing. Uh, it's been a bit more interesting of late because of COVID restrictions on BBC local radio commentators. So I've been covering a few other teams as well. Um, so yeah, been out and about a fair bit. Uh, before the season had even started, everyone said that Wickham would really struggle and would go straight back down to League One. And halfway through the season with Wickham bottom of the table, having won just three league games, um, a lot of those people will be saying that they've been proved right. Um, However, um, Gareth said the other day there's 69 points to play for. He thinks we need 35 to stay up um, and he believes that the club can do it. He is an absolute believer. I don't think he says it for effect. Um, So, yeah, um, I think it's going to be all to play for starting against Brentford uh, on Saturday. Um, Wickham season so far, I mean, a lot of the fans knew it was going to be hard as well. But apart from maybe one or two games, we haven't been sort of thrashed or beaten off the pitch. Um, They've always been competitive and they've been getting stronger as the season goes on. Um, All clubs get injuries and and I know the the fixtures have been tough as well in terms of um, how they've been sequenced. But Wickham have lost a couple of big players, um, both literally and figuratively in uh, in Tafazoli, the big defender they signed in the summer, and Uchik Piezu, the big striker. Um, they've largely been missing due to injury and, and, in, and COVID uh, in, in the case of Uchik Piezu too and possibly also Ryan Tafazoli um, recently as, as well um, but they're back now um, or hopefully Piezu certainly is and he's really made a big difference which has given us a bit of hope and also taken uh, the weight off the very broad shoulders of Adebayewak and Fenwa who hasn't really looked 100% fit um, for a couple of years now but he had an operation in the summer and I think he's had to play a lot more football than he perhaps thought he would be when he signed up for another year his first year in the championship as well he hasn't got a goal yet this season but he did well against Spurs off the bench the other night I look back to his best um, so hopefully he can really contribute in the second half of the season but it's been great fun to watch regardless of the results and you know if we can finish bottom at the end of the season it's still the highest position in the club's 134 year history um, but they won't want to settle for that I think they're going to give it a go and I think Saturday will be interesting yeah the FA Cup run or run uh, it's only two games uh, it's so unusual for Wickham to go in at the third round um, first time that's ever happened to them obviously uh, and it's the first time they haven't played in the first round of the FA Cup since 1988 when they lost to Stafford Rangers in the last qualifying round uh, I think they lost that one 4-1. Um, so that kind of underlines how far the club have come in, in a relatively short period of time. And also, let's not forget FA Cup semi-finalists uh, 20 years ago as well. Um, so when people say small little Wickham Wanderers, it's interesting to find out if those teams have ever got to the semi-finals of both uh, major cup competitions in this country because Wickham got to the League Cup semi as well. Uh, the Spurs game uh, the other night, again, was a bit like this season, really. It was great fun to watch, very competitive, um, but, you know, the class told out at the end, and I think the fitness as well. Wickham had to work incredibly hard um, and chased a lot of the ball, as they would have known about coming into the game. Getting the first goal made it very interesting, especially with the history of the game from four years ago where Wickham were insanely unfortunate not to get at least a replay from the game at the old White Hart Lane, losing 4-3. So this game seemed like a really lovely rematch of the of the replay that never was. Um, so yeah, Wickham really gave a good account of themselves and I think we'll take great heart from it as well. So it's, it's been a welcome distraction, the cup run, uh, not least beating Preston 4-1. A weakened Preston nonetheless, um, but to score four goals past the championship rival 
uh, albeit in the cup, has given the club a bit of a spring in its step and some confidence, and confidence as well from the Spurs' performance, which the club will hope to take into the game at Brentford. Uh, despite the odds being stacked against Wickham, you know, I love the question, you always seem to give it a go. I think that's absolutely down to Gareth Ainsworth and his coaching staff because they know that they've got a, a tight deck of cards that they've got to play with. Uh, they don't complain about it. They mention it and just to make sure that people realise the situation. Um, but I think they relish it and they spend the money as if it's their own and they really give it a good shout. And yeah, they, they really compete week in, week out. And I think what's been really impressive is after their really bad start, I think they lost like the first seven games, if I remember rightly. It was a long run of losses. Um, I think many teams with less mental strength would have really collapsed at that point. Um, but Wickham just seemed to be getting stronger and stronger and the belief was there. And that belief comes entirely from the manager. He, he really believes. Uh, and even if he doesn't, he, he gives a really convincing uh, perception of a man that really believes that they're going to turn it around. Um, he believed that Tottenham were going to lose to Wickham the other night as well. And, you know, I love that. If he doesn't believe, then, then they'll never achieve anything. And I think that's why Wickham have been so su successful uh, under him. Um, so, yeah, I think they, they leave everything out on the pitch for him. Um, players that don't buy into his ethos have moved on. And when players come into the squad, I think they really knuckle down on the character and they do their research as well. Uh, not just on their footballing ability, but they need to be the right sort of people uh, to fit in. And it's all about Gareth setting the example of being himself. You know, he wears his leather jacket and he's got his rock and roll hairstyle, etc., and I think he just encourages everyone to, to not be like him. They don't want to have to listen to like the doors and stuff, but they, they're encouraged to be themselves and they're encouraged to talk to, them, uh, to, the, to each other about their own beliefs and their own passions. And they don't really conform. They, they kind of just get on with what they need to be and they're accepted uh, either way. There's a large um, sort of Christian uh, presence in the, in the squad as well. And that was highlighted by... Um, the BBC recently um, where every Sunday there's a, across local radio across the entire country um, a service, all the stations come together for a national moment of worship and uh, the start of the year it came from Wickham Wanderers uh, led by the club chaplain and five of the players including Adebayo Akin Fenwa and, and that was deemed as a, as a first and uh, yeah it was really interesting to, to hear and, and see that and, and see that go uh, that impact on the squad over the last four or five years. Uh, a player that, that I'll certainly be looking out for, as well as Wickham fans too, is a, is a striker we've signed on loan from Leicester called Admiral Musquay. Uh, he played, he's only played twice, both in the FA Cup, uh, looked really good against Preston North End in the third round and, and had some good moments against Tottenham as well for an hour and or so until he got subbed off. Um, but yeah, he's he's been described by Gareth Ainsworth as a as a real fox in the box, it comes alive in between the posts. And that's probably something that's been missing from Wickham Wanderers this season. They've just not been clinical enough. Um, they've really struggled in the championship, creating chances, not taking them, and then mistakes at the other end are being really punished. And, and I think Gareth realised that Wickham had to be more clinical in the box. Uh, they don't have loads of money to go out and, and buy a 20 goal a season striker. So he's had to take a chance and, and find a rough young diamond from a, a Premier League club and take them on loan. And the initial signs look really, really good. So I recommend Brentford fans keeping an eye on him. I'm sure Wickham fans will be watching him closely as well. Um, but alongside the... Uh, he will feel like a new signing, Uchik Piazu, although he signed last summer. I mentioned him earlier. He's kind of getting up to full match fitness now and showing us what he can do. I think they could be a really good partnership alongside the other hard-working strikers like Scott Kashkett and Alex Samuel, who, who may well click into a bit of form now and other strikers in the building too. Um, Josh Knight is another lad on loan from Leicester who's been playing at centre-back. He's been with us since September and he's here for the whole season now. He's really, really impressed, um, so he's worth uh, keeping an eye on. And Curtis Thompson in midfield um, is a lad that we've taken all the way from League Two discarded by Kevin Nolan when he was manager of Notts County, uh, signed by Wickham on loan initially. And he's basically made the step up through the divisions and has looked really at home in the championship. So he's one to keep an eye on. And if he has a good game, then Wickham tend to do well. Yeah, Brentford, we know all about Brentford. And 
especially with working at three counties. I remember last season when, when you beat Luton 7-0 and when Wickham got promoted, I think I remember saying this around the first game, that the Brentford games are ones that we feared the most because you know you can be completely ruthless and the football, the fast-flowing, the possession, uh, the great forward players. I know there's been a bit of coming and going this season for Brentford and the new stadium, etc. Um, but it's a bit like last season. You're really clicking into form as the season goes on. I think the home game at Adams Park, we caught you just at the right time before you started really finding your feet again. Um, but Wickham frustrated you that day and, and worked really hard and rolled their sleeves up. And I'd expect more of the same um, uh, at... Um, I can't remember the name of your new stadium there. Anyway, the new Brentford Stadium. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it'll be that's how they're going to go for it. Um, a bit like they did in, in that cup game at the very start of the season as well. Um, you know, I think Wickham is based on hard work and graft and, and they've added a bit of quality and hopefully that can come to the fore in the second half of the season. But I think you could be really pretty with your football and, and want to do great things in, in the attacking third. But against Wickham, you've got to at least work hard and earn the right to be able to do that. And, and I'm sure Thomas Frank will get Brentford fired up and will remember the nil-nil. I think he was quite upset at full time um, about the uh, about the score and about the lack of injury time. Um, so maybe he's going to carry that into uh, into this game as well. But it won't be easy for Brentford. Um, I think the first 25 minutes will be absolutely massive. Um, Wickham tend to try and frustrate and grow into games and I'll imagine that's what they're going to do on Saturday. They'll try and run the clock down and, and take you out, out of momentum and try and get you out of rhythm and frustrate. Um, and I, you know, ironically, not having the home fans there um, maybe will help Brentford because Wickham are a great away team at frustrating people and it's often the fans that the first ones to get frustrated and that seeps onto the pitch but we haven't really seen that this season obviously with the lack of fans. Well, predictions. Um, well, I can never predict Wickham to lose, and I've got too much respect for Brentford to say that we're going to win. So I'm going to go for a, an entertaining 2 2 draw again. I think I said that last time as well, um, and I think it was 0 0, wasn't it? So, yeah, 2 2, really good game. And, you know, I think I speak for many Wickham fans here when I say we wish Brentford all the very best. and and uh, we were kind of hoping you were going to get promoted uh, last season so we could nick all your good players on loan that you didn't need in the Premier League because um, we've been doing that for years, haven't we? Taking some great players off you guys. I don't think it helps us being in the same division as you for that. So with that in mind, uh, don't win on Saturday, but do get promoted and hopefully we can stay in the Championship and we can help develop some of your better players next season. How's that? Yeah, whatever happens, don't get too frustrated if we can run the clock down and nick something. It happens. Uh, it's happened to many teams before you as well. Or maybe you'll just run ragged and do what you did to Luton last season. Either way, have a great rest of the season. Hopefully fans can come back soon and, uh, yeah, enjoy the game. So there you have it. Phil from Ringing the Blues. Always enthusiastic, always buzzing, always bubbling. He knows that they're the underdogs. He doesn't care. He just says, come and get us. We are going to take some... If we're going to go down, we'll take someone down with us. And I really hope it's not the bees. I mean, listen, let's let's just talk about Wickham Wanderers, okay? They aren't any mugs. And they're the type of team who, to be honest with you, even though they've been written off, and if you look at the form and the stats, you know, they're down the bottom. You know, they are, you know... Form-wise, they are down the bottom. They're in the bottom three with Sheffield Wednesday and with Birmingham City. They look like the teams who are away from everybody else, um, form-wise, who look like they're going to be relegation-wise. However, they're one of those sides because they've got this kind of hidden value that some other teams don't have. It's, It's almost like this kind of team bonding thing, which sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, and it's, it's something to worry about because, like I said to you, it reminds me of Brentford of old sometimes. Sometimes, you know, Brentford come and they'll be in a sort of lowly position. We go and play a top team and we give them a good bashing because some other values would come out. And that's the, that's the thing that worries me about Wickham. Not saying that we haven't got that, but it's something else that we have to deal about. Just looking at Wickham, what they're good and what they're not so good at. They're good at creating scoring chances. They're very good at that. So they listen, they, they create opportunities, mate. So we need to stop them from doing that. They're also good at coming back from losing positions. So even if we score a goal, we still need to be in the money. They do not give up. They go to the very end. 
What they're not good at is finishing scoring chances as well. So they, they create them, but they don't necessarily finish them. Uh, defending down attacks down the wings, which is where we are very good. So we need to make the most of that. Defending counter-attacks as well, which is also where we're very good. And they're very, very bad at keeping possession of the ball, which means that obviously we need to have our press on, we need to have our game on. We need to not be playing this sort of like, you know, this, this snail-paced game that sometimes we kind of go into. And also they're not very good at defending set pieces, which is something that we've actually become a lot better at um, uh, causing problems in so Laney if you look at that and you think about Brentford being on their A game there is a lot there that we can actually play with isn't there yeah we can exploit lots of those weaknesses and you know the the, the video analysis staff and the, the, the coaching staff and the players I'm, I'm sure will be sitting down and studying uh, how we played against them in those the two games from earlier in the season and they would have you know dissected those matches afterwards I'm sure there's like we've got all the, the notes and the, the documentation about what we should have done or how we could have uh, uh, done things differently during the course of the game to, to get a different outcome uh, and to, to kind of put the weaknesses of Wickham um, in 1v1 situations against actual players actual Brentford players um, to work out the best best route to doing something better uh, this weekend. You know we have we have to beat them, um, and uh, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of stats that Brentford will be looking at now, um, and and will maybe change a couple of uh, you know um, uh, uh, players in to, to kind of make the most of their weaknesses. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really confident, Bill. You know, it, it's 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 a it's a it's a game where we we've got quite a lot to, to prove actually still you know they're they're a they're a decent team who have frustrated us we haven't beaten them this year we we, we need to put that right we do i mean just looking at from uh it's interesting we, we had the stat from the swansea game where we scored four percent of our shots i mean wickham they have scored only 16 goals this season but they 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 seem to take 10.5 shots per goal so basically, 10.5 shots and they score a goal. We've scored more than twice as many goals as them. we scored 38 goals this season, but we need 13.1 shots per goal. So in a strange way, they're almost like slightly more clinical when it comes to actually putting the ball on the back of the net. So it seems that we need to pepper their goal to ensure that if we're going to be wasteful, at least we're putting more of those chances away. Yeah, completely. We need to get the ball wide. We need to attack with pace. Uh, we need to get the balls into the danger areas. Uh, um, Tony needs to get free of his markers. Uh, we need to give big delivery, big chances to the, to our big players. Uh, you know, um, I'm assuming Josh De Silva plays again. I'm sure Waymo he came off early in the second half. Hopefully that was just precautionary rather than actual injury. Um, we need to get them to be able to get the ball onto their left foot into danger areas and curl them into the to the top corners of the net. We are so well equipped to beat them. We need to go out and not kind of splutter against a struggling team. We spluttered against Luton. They should have been there for the taking and we allowed them to grow into the second half. We, we don't need to give Wickham uh, any excuses to, to get their tails up and to, to, to feel like they're bossing the game. We need to just literally rub their noses in it. It's, just, it's a shame but that's the way it goes. OK, ironically, and we're going back to whoscored.com as well, over the season, Akin Fenwa, who, I, I, you know, I always give him props every time, you know, I talk about him, I, I love him as a bloke, love him as a player, you know, he's, I think, 40 years old now, but he's still right in there. He's actually their star player over the season, 7.3 they've given him over the season, Akin Fenwa. Now, he came on as a sub against Tottenham, so whether or not he will actually feature against Brentford, because I know that he can't play game in and game out, we don't know. Interestingly, Akin Fenwa is actually, I think, the leading player in their side for headers and I, I never thought of Hakim Fenwell being a sort of kind of a header kind of person but apparently he is as well uh, Joe Jacobson as well he's a top player he's their left he plays on left in, in defence as well so he's a top player 6.7 I thought that he might have been out for, for this Brentford game but I'm not, not quite sure he's going to be uh, McCleary in the midfield as well and also Daryl Hogan who's a player that <laughs> 
they tried to sort of link us with um, when we were buying Hogan they probably thought if we're going to buy Hogan we must buy Horgan as well but he actually went to PE at the time and he, he didn't do particularly well at PE but he's doing all right at, at um, Wickham as well and he's somebody who can also cause problems so and obviously Scott Cashcat who we all know about he's I think he scored against us a bit earlier this season was it in the in the League Cup match um, Scott Cashcat as well he's a, he's a player that we need to look out for but in general listen you know uh, the Grimmer, I think he's their captain as well. Listen, they've got a team, um, you know, not huge stars, not huge names, but they play together. So we need to so be on our on our A game. And this game, I can't, it sounds really weird because we're only in January now, but it is so important because I think it's also really important for our mentality. It's our mentality going forward. If we, oh no, if we suddenly like we, we 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 draw to Swansea when we should have won, then we lose to Wickham when we maybe should have drawn, or you know maybe we've won. For us, that's not good for us going forward. So this is this is actually a almost like a bigger match now than the Swansea game. Now, now the Swansea game's over. Yeah, the bottom of the the bottom of the division, Bill. You know, you know it's, it's not to say that bottom can't beat top. You know, Sheffield United beat Man United last night. You know, it happens up and down the country year in year out. There's always banana skins. There's always shocks where teams that just on paper and on betting form shouldn't be in with a shout. Shouldn't even be sniffing. Shouldn't even get a point. Uh, Saturday cannot be one of those afternoons for Brentford. It won't be. Fingers crossed it won't be. So listen, oh, I'm going to ask you, Laney, to give us a score prediction because it sounds like you're a little bit confident there. Um, I'm not overly confident, no. I, as I said, you've got to base it on the on the on the two previous games we've, we've played against them. I'm not I'm not sort of just going to pluck a you know five nil out just because they're bottom and just because we're you know one of the top teams. Um, I'm going to go three one Brentford. It's it's going to be all right in the end. It's going to be tight and edgy. Three one Bs. I'm going to go 2-0 to the mighty, mighty bees as well. So so anyway, listen, I've, before we move off, I've got to give a few shouts as well to my Wickham posse who've been listening. We've got Adam, the cherry red Adam as well, who, uh, Laney, you know, as Adam as well. Yeah, I have the top, top man. That's right. We were in Kazakhstan with him as well and all all, and all over the place and, and, and Kiev and, and, and well, just everywhere with Adam as we, we've gone around internationally as well. And Adam was one of my old chums from the old music industry he's at cherry red records he's the md of cherry red as well and he's a big big wickham fan now and interestingly because when we played wickham at the start of the season he listened to the pre-match preview the preview podcast and he loved it so much he's actually subscribed and he listens to every single one of our podcasts now even though wickham aren't involved so big respect to you adam for the support you've been giving us even though you don't even support the mighty mighty bees as well and i've got to give a shout out to georgie porgie as well the wickham fan who i used to work with for years and uh, and and we still chat every now and again the georgie porgie and like i said to you i went to wickham versus preston north end uh, playoff final down at wembley years ago when my brother sank, drank six pints when he came in from america and he fell over in a bush and we had to try and drag him out the bush and drag him into the stadium and uh, i don't think his wife has let him come back to england since then and that was about 30 years ago go so uh, that was quite funny but you know this is what we do in england we we we, we get people into travel but anyway this is the besotted <laughs> pride of west london podcast we only got a point against swansea they, they cheated quite a lot but we're not going to talk about it anymore because we're going to look forward we're not going to look back we're playing wickham wanderers on saturday we need to get three points to get them they've got akafenra up front but hopefully he won't do the business against us because we have learned the lessons from before i'm billy grant and i'm here with laney lane cheerio 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 to all listen we'll see you or we'll hear from you on Saturday we'll be probably around whatsapping and tweeting and just doing all sorts of stuff hopefully as Brentford are banging the goals in as we say come on you bees Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. 
let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.